Before the greeting, I ask people to share in the chat what is something that they often lose or something that they find themselves misplacing frequently. So if you didn't get a chance to put that in the chat earlier, I encourage you to do so now. I personally have been very surprised this year how easy it is to lose items around the house, particularly in a year where I've spent so much time in the house. I find myself often misplacing remotes, chapstick, and my headphones. And half the time they were in my pocket the entire time, but I've searched the whole house looking for them. Now when I lose the remote to the TV or to the robotic vacuum or basic chapstick or headphones, it's not a big deal. I know they're in the house and I'll find them eventually. But unfortunately, I'm sure you can think of times in your life when you have lost or misplaced something that was much more significant than those items. Personally, I have lost my wallet a few times. And in college, this happened on multiple occasions. I didn't quite realize my wallet was missing until it came time to eat. I would go to the dining hall and where I went to school, you could see everything that was happening in the dining hall, but you had to swipe in first to enter. So it wasn't until I could see the food and smell the food and mentally picture that great meal that I was going to have. It wasn't until then that I realized, uh-oh, I don't have my ID. I can't get inside. I'm not going to eat right now. And when this happened, and embarrassingly, this did happen on multiple occasions, I would search through my backpack, I would go back to the previous class or room that I came from, I would look everywhere for it and think, where could my wallet be? And while this was inconvenient, every single one of these instances I'm recalling has a happy ending. Where I went to college, William and Mary, there was a, a very respected honor code. And this pertained to integrity in academic life but it also carried into everyday life. And whenever I lost my wallet on campus, the person who found it would take out my ID. From my ID, they had my email. They'd send me a note and ask me where I was and how they could get this back to me. And frankly, I wish the real world worked more like that some of the time because when we lose something and when we forget something really important to us, it can be draining, it can be stressful, and it can be frustrating. So imagine how Mary and Joseph must have felt when they lost Jesus. You heard Pastor Phil read the passage earlier, and we're going to look at it more closely together now. And if you'd like to follow along in the passage, I encourage you to turn to Luke 2 or launch your Bibles to Luke 2. This morning with the children's message, we heard the Old Town Kids share with us Luke 2, verses 1 through 20. And right after that, in Luke 2, Mary and Joseph take the baby Jesus to Jerusalem to dedicate him. And they have this neat encounter with Simeon and Anna. And we actually looked at that passage on the first Sunday of Advent several weeks ago when we explored the theme of hope and how Simeon's hopes rested on that baby Jesus, the Savior. And now this morning, we're looking at the very end of Luke, where Mary and Joseph leave the Passover festival in Jerusalem. Jesus is a bit older now, and they've been traveling for a day and are headed home. 
And it's not until then that they realize that they've lost Jesus. So first we're going to explore losing track of Jesus. Mary and Joseph simply had to have assumed that they had Jesus with him as they left Jerusalem. Look at verses 44 and 45. Thinking he, Jesus, was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their friends, among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Sometimes when my family leaves to drive somewhere in the car, Sarah will double-check to verify and say to me, are there two babies back there? And I often roll my eyes because, of course, they're back there. But now, in light of this story, I think she might be onto something. Now, for us as readers today, there, there simply aren't enough details here for us to hypothesize how this happened. We simply know that when Mary and Joseph and their crew left Jerusalem for the Passover festival, they were leaving the big city of Jerusalem, Jesus wasn't in their company. Now, maybe you're thinking right now, how could Mary and Joseph forget their child? Not just their child, but this child that they know is incredibly special. Think about the passage right before this of their encounter with Simeon when Jesus was a baby. How could they have forgotten him? Right here, as I'm reading this in light of having watched Christmas movies over the last month, Mary doesn't seem too dissimilar from Miss McAllister in Home Alone when she's flying on the way to Paris, only then realizing that she's got her whole big family with her, except Kevin, little Macaulay Culkin, who's back home in Chicago. Now, before we go too far down that rabbit trail, thinking about how could Jesus' parents lose him, let's think about us as we take this passage in this morning. Mary and Joseph lose track of Jesus, and we too, today in our lives, we can lose track of Jesus or set God's presence or influence on our lives aside for a variety of reasons. Now, we see Mary and Joseph in this story. They had to have been busy setting about on their journey home. Clearly, they had friends and relatives with them that they'd gone to this Passover festival with. And perhaps they were so busy that they didn't do the double check to ensure that Jesus was with them so too we can get too busy in our lives. Not because of one major thing going on, but because of everything that's happening. We can get too busy to have time for reflection, and praying to God can simply fall off of our radar. We can at times also simply be going through the motions. It's possible to go through the motions in our workplaces, and with our commitments throughout the week, but also with our spiritual life. It's possible to go through the motions and in doing so, fail to hear Jesus and to grasp and understand how God is calling us. And third, perhaps there are times when we find ourselves simply prioritizing what we want over what God wants. Life happens. Right? We get too busy, we go through the motions, we find ourselves prioritizing that which we desire. And like Mary and Joseph in this passage, sometimes we just go on our merry way and forget to touch base with Jesus first, forget to check in 
with God first to see if that which we are doing matches up with what God is calling us to do. As we think back on this past year in light of New Year's Day coming up at the end of the week, can you think of times over this year where you found yourself feeling too busy or overwhelmed by everything going on? Did you realize at some point maybe you were going through the motions in a variety of ways? And did it ever hit you amidst being busy and going through the motions that maybe you were simply prioritizing what you wanted, chasing what seemed most interesting to you in the moment? I think if we're all honest as we reflect on this past year and how we've allowed God to work through our lives, we may be able to identify spots like this where we lost track of Jesus and lost track of God's will for us. This Jesus who gets lost in these few verses, we have the full story in the Gospels. He grows up to be a heck of a communicator. And one great line that he has later in the Sermon on the Mount is, Seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So when we lose track of Jesus, when we lose sight of this command to seek first God's kingdom and God's desires, we lose sight of Jesus. We're like Mary and Joseph, headed on pursuing our plans, realizing that we've left Jesus behind when we're down the road. So if you find yourself there, I hope you don't beat yourself up. Be encouraged because I mean, look at our passage this morning at the end of Luke 2. Even Jesus' mom lost track of him. And guess what? She also finds him. Right? We have Jesus found later in the passage here. We're finding Jesus. So let's fast forward. It took three days. Right? Imagine that. Three days of looking. But Mary and Joseph found Jesus in the temple. We see in verse 46, after three days they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Now, when we lose track of Jesus in our lives, we can look to this passage and learn from Mary and Joseph and their exchange with Jesus. When they realized that Jesus wasn't with them, they were anxious. You see in verse 48, they were anxious. This anxiousness led to a three-day search And hear Mary's words. She says to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Now we know that Jesus was found, and we're going to hear his response in just a a moment, but you can probably imagine what those three days were like for Mary and Joseph. And in learning from this passage and, and leaning on our own moments of feeling distanced from Jesus, it's this part. It's the three days in those passage. It's those times of searching in our lives. Those moments get almost no airtime, but we need to dig into that a little bit. The search, the waiting, the anxiety of feeling the distance between us and Jesus. So when we feel that, when we're feeling far from God or feeling like we've lost track of Jesus, We need to search. Notice, uh, I think, fascinating detail that we can apply to 
with how Mary and Joseph set out to search for Jesus. Mary and Joseph backtracked to Jerusalem, not too unlike the way I would backtrack when I got to the dining hall, lost my ID, and just wanted to find it ASAP so that I'd have my wallet back and could go eat. I was backtracking everywhere. Mary and Joseph backtracked to Jerusalem. They went to where their strong, recent memories of Jesus were. They went back to where they were certain that Jesus would have to be because they'd experienced him there in a very real way. So let's think together this morning, where do you go when you backtrack to find Jesus? Now, it's a little different for us. It's not the same as as hunting down a lost wallet, and it's not the same as how Mary and Joseph went back to the place where they were just with Jesus, God in the flesh. But think about where you go mentally, where you go in your heart when you backtrack to find Jesus. Is it a memory, a time when your faith was so strong and so real? Or maybe it's a relationship, a person who has walked beside you in faith time and time again. Perhaps you backtrack to a stage in life when everything was clicking, when you were so close in your relationship with Jesus that you felt like you were walking step in step with God's will for your life. So as you think about that particular place, what it is for you, recall that. Recall how that helps you find Jesus in a maybe deeper way than you sometimes have in the present. Recall how that helps you remember what it's like to taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, some of you listening this morning, I imagine, are resolution makers. And those of you who claim that you aren't, I'd be willing to bet at some point in the week ahead, you're going to think about what you might do differently in the new year, what you might hope to accomplish in the new year that you didn't quite accomplish last year. So wherever you fall on that spectrum of making resolutions, I invite you, I encourage you to go back to those places this week as you make New Year's goals related to your faith. Backtrack to those moments when you were so near to Jesus, and maybe that moment is the present right now, but consider those moments of strengths and intimate closeness with Jesus, and consider what God was using in those moments to draw you near to him. So as you make resolutions, as you make goals, ask God, what might it look like to draw even nearer to God right now. There is nothing wrong with revisiting stronger times in the past to fuel your present, especially in a time like right now at the end of this year. I think we'd all admit that we could use a little extra strength. Now, this is the last Sunday of 2020, and if we had everybody worshiping in the same space in person right now, I imagine there might be some amens in response to that. So I'll say it again. This is the last Sunday of 2020. It's almost over. And with any conclusion of one year and start of a new one, you're going to be reflecting on what you could do differently in the new year. So 
how did the past year go when it comes to your walk with God? Honestly, how did your relationship grow, stagnate, or even suffer in this year? It's, it's not far-fetched to think that the events of this year might have left many of us questioning things we weren't questioning a year ago. Perhaps you found yourself asking God why more than you have before, and you've recognized that some of those neat ways that you've tied up life's problems in the past turned out to be a little more complicated this year. When we find ourselves in a situation like Mary and Joseph found themselves in, trying to find Jesus and bring his presence back into our lives, we need to be ready to hear Jesus. Because no matter where we go, where we drift, Jesus is speaking. And we need to listen. We need to be hearing Jesus. So let's look at the part of the passage here where Jesus responds. Now when Mary and Joseph find Jesus and ask him why he did what he did, why he didn't stay with them, Jesus responds. And his response is not quite, I think, what Mary and Joseph were expecting. In fact, they don't totally get it. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. They hear Jesus' response in the midst of Jesus being busy doing the Father's work. This exchange at at the end of Luke 2 paints a beautiful picture. We see Jesus, God the Son, busy doing the work of God the Father. And as we hear it this morning, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, so must we. And in doing this, we need to know where to look when we set out to hear Jesus. We absolutely hear Jesus on our own. God speaks into our individual lives. But we must also acknowledge here as we're worshiping together that Jesus speaks into community. In the passage, Jesus is in the temple courts among the teachers and other people of God listening to them and asking questions. Hearing Jesus speak into a unified group of people, into a A local church is an amazing thing, and it's something that we cannot take for granted. It's this unique place when we're together and and God is at work where we hear God when we're together, when we worship. And we hear God when we offer prayers and receive answers. And we hear God as we discern God's collective will for us and pursue it together. And the ways in which we do that have been different this year right now. The, the modes and the mediums are, mediums are different, but the collective intention is in full force. It shouldn't be too shocking to us at the end of Luke 2 here that Mary and Joseph find Jesus in the place where we've realized, reading it this morning, where he was going to be all along, his father's house, the temple. When we are seeking to hear Jesus, and to draw near to Jesus, going to the church, going to our community is a big part of that, and a place where we need to turn to look as we search for Jesus and as we aim to hear him even more clearly. 
final word on, on this passage and these topics is, like Mary and Joseph, we also need to expect the unexpected. I don't know what Mary expected Jesus to say, but clearly his response was not what she was prepared for. And this didn't happen only for Mary and Joseph, but throughout the Gospel of Luke, the disciples, they're surprised as they follow Jesus time and time again as he is telling them something that's not quite what they anticipated. So I encourage you to expect Jesus to move in ways that you didn't see coming. And expect Jesus to teach you lessons from people who you might not have guessed that God would use to do so. And if there's something we've learned this past year, it's expect Jesus to be at work, not only in the good times, but in the challenging ones and the ones that stretch us. Because Jesus hears us and Jesus responds to us as we seek and as we search throughout any chaos. So hear the good news this morning that Jesus is speaking and we need to find him. If we find any separation between us and Jesus, like Mary and Joseph found in our passage this morning, we need to seek out Jesus in our lives and seek first God's agenda and listen to what God is saying so that we can respond faithfully. Amen. With that, this concludes our last worship service of 2020. And obviously, it has been one heck of a year. And in many ways, I've seen Jesus at work in the places where I've always seen him at work, in the places where I expected. As a member of this church, I'm thankful for the ways that I knew I was not alone in 2020 because I knew I was part of this church community. I'm so grateful for the refuge each week that was Bible study together and worshiping together. And amidst so much uncertainty and living through a a time like I personally haven't lived through before, I knew that every week Sunday was going to get here and eventually I'd get to spend some time with and worship with you all. And I think years from now, as I look back, on what this year entailed. That's something that I'm going to treasure. Jesus continued to show up and care for us in the ways we would have expected him to in this year. And then at the same time, we found Jesus at work in ways that none of us were planning on. And as a pastor, I am so proud of the ways that we, our church and our community, responded to challenges this year. We got to worshiping online fast. We got to worshiping by listening to a service on the phone quickly. And when you saw needs in the community, you responded. We had more food distributions, more volunteers, more deacons meeting needs and supporting families this year. Prayers increased and the cares, the care for our neighbors in need didn't only continue, but it grew exponentially because God gave us opportunities to respond in ways that we might not have expected. So there's no question that God has been at work through OTCC and has used our collective efforts to be an amazingly bright light in a dark year. And I believe that our work has just begun this 
bright light, it's merely a glimmer and a start to all of the good work that God will do in and through us. So thank you for worshiping with us this year. On behalf of the staff, thank you for worshiping with us each week. Thank you for engaging in Bible study, in groups, in nights of prayer. It has not been an easy year, but I believe God looks at what has been happening here and smiles. I know I certainly do. So, Happy New Year from OTCC. May God bless each of you. May God bless each of us as we turn this corner, leaving 2020 in the past and surging towards 2021, carrying the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love of Jesus that we've just spent all month anticipating and celebrating. Let's carry that into the new year with us.